Let us pray for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today is from the Common English Bible, Joshua, the 24th chapter, the first 18 verses. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders of Israel, its leaders, judges, and officers. They presented themselves before God. Then Joshua said to the entire people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors lived on the other side of the Euphrates. They served other gods. Among them was Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor. I took Abraham, your ancestor, from the other side of the Euphrates. I led him around through the whole land of Canaan. I added to his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Mount Seir to Esau to take over, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt with what I did to them. After that, I brought you out. I brought your ancestors out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. The, Egypt the Egyptians chased your ancestors with chariots and horses to the Reed Sea. Then they cried for help to the Lord. So he sent darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea down on them, and it covered them. With your own eyes, you saw what I did to the Egyptians. You lived in the desert for a long time. Then I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They attacked you, but I gave them into your power, and you took over their land. I wiped them out before you. Then Moab's king Balak, Zippor's son, set out to attack Israel. He summoned Balaam, Baor's son, to curse you. But I wasn't willing to listen to Balaam, so he actually blessed you. I rescued you from his power. Then you crossed over the Jordan. You came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho attacked you. They were Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your power. I sent the hornet before you. It drove them out before you and did the same to the two kings of the Amorites. It wasn't your sword or bow that did this. I gave you land on which you hadn't toiled and cities that you hadn't built. You settled in them and are enjoying produce from vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. So now, revere the Lord. Serve him honestly, honestly and faithfully. Put aside the gods that your ancestors served before the, beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if it seems wrong in your opinion to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Choose the gods whom your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But my family and I will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, God forbid that we ever leave the Lord to serve other gods. The Lord is our God. He is the one who brought us out and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. He has done these mighty signs in our sight. He has protected us the whole way we've gone and in all the nations through which we've passed. 
the Lord has driven out all nations before us, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel lesson is from the sixth chapter of John. It's known generally as the Bread of Life Discourse. The book of John has a number of discourses or extended talks. So we, we pick and choose various verses here, starting with the 35th verse. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? And then moving to the 60th verse, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him and he said for this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by my father because of this many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him so Jesus asked the twelve do you also wish to go away Simon Peter answered Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. There is a new book that has renewed attention to the poet Robert Frost's most famous poem, The Road Not Taken. That poem begins, Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent to the undergrowth 
then took the other just as fair. But the, the last lines of that little poem are the most famous. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Well, the verses that we read from the sixth chapter of John's Gospel focus on the response of the disciples to the hard teachings of Jesus. Now, with just a few exceptions, we tend to think of the disciples as people who from the beginning were overwhelmingly convinced that they should follow Jesus. You remember all those call stories where he called them and immediately they put down their nets or they left their work, they left their family, and they followed him. But that wasn't the whole picture. Now, there were a lot of times we talked about where they were just dense and didn't get it at all. But they followed. The three big exceptions, of course, that stand out, of course, is Judas betraying Jesus at the end. When Jesus was tried and crucified, Peter denying him three times and the rest of them running away. And then, of course, Thomas famously having his doubts. But the rest of the time, we tend to think of the disciples as loyal, faithful followers. This passage says that not just a few, but many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. It was so serious that Jesus asked the twelve, do you also want to go away? So why did, why did many turn away? Well, the message Jesus proclaims is difficult. It offends. Mark Twain is quoted as saying that it ain't those parts of the Bible I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. <laughs> one of my favorite preacher writers called one of his books The Scandalous Gospel of Jesus. What's so good about the good news is this subtitle. Scandalous. Well, what is so difficult, so scandalous about the gospel? For some, it was and is that the gospel is available to everyone. Everybody. People who don't look or talk or act like you and me are included. People we don't even like are invited, included. Everyone. For some, it was and is offensive that a human being said he was God. The religious leaders, John, quote, says, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I've come down from heaven? We know his relatives. He's nothing special. For some, what offended them was that the human son of a carpenter that they knew claimed Almighty God as his father. For some, the metaphor of communion, the words we read about blood and flesh, sound just too gross, but the, the real problem is this, that to believe in Jesus is not to just do a little thinking arithmetic, a little cognitive calculation about whether something's true. For example, when we hear some, something about news of someone being charged with a crime or they're on trial or whatever, we may hear 
some news report and say to whoever's listening, you know, I think he did it. Even though we weren't sitting in the jury box, we have an opinion. Or if we hear some candidate tell us what a great president or senator they're going to be, sometimes we're so convinced with what they say, we believe them, despite our experiences, right? But that is not the belief that Jesus calls us to do. Jesus invites us to participate. Believing in Jesus involves sacrifice, service, surrender, surrender to the will of God, being able to say, not my will, but God's will be done. That's the belief that Jesus calls us to. Another difference between our usual notion of belief and believing in Jesus is that when we say we believe something, we believe in someone, we usually have made some conscious decision. That is, we weighed whatever evidence we had and we reached a conclusion. But Jesus tells us that it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. In the 14th chapter of John, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. And in that next chapter, the 15th chapter, Jesus said the Spirit will testify on my behalf. And then finally, the, in John 16, which Jesus tells us that the Spirit will guide you into all the truth. So there's our choice, but there's also the Holy Spirit guiding us. Now you remember that I mentioned before that some scholars say to pay particular attention in Scripture to the verbs, action words. Or just the last 11 verses of this chapter of John, you see the range of responses to Jesus among his followers. What were they doing? They were complaining, disbelieving, rejecting, confessing faith, and betraying. In earlier verses, we read of people seeing, hearing, learning. There's a wide range of human response. And in the last two verses, we read from John, there's not just walking away from Jesus, there's betrayal. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He was speaking, of course, of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the disciples, was going to actually betray Jesus in the end. You see, God chooses us, but we are still free not to choose God. We are still free to walk away. In John 6, we have the dark reality of unbelief and even betrayal, but there is also promise, promise of grace. The 37th verse, Jesus said, Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and everyone who comes to me I will never, never drive away. You see, we're drawn to Jesus by the Holy Spirit, but we are still free to choose whom we will follow. In that Old Testament passage from Joshua that Sarah read, Joshua challenged the people of Israel, choose today whom you will serve. 
he proclaimed to the people that he and his family were going to serve the Lord, and then they declared, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. So let me close by repeating Joshua's challenge. Choose today whom you will serve. Because as that modern theologian Bob Dylan said, you're going to serve, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. And let me ask you the same question Jesus asked. Do you also wish to go away? You and I know hunger. We know, we know in our gut, our need for daily bread. You and I know thirst, and we know we cannot live without water, or in the South, iced tea. We know thirst. Jesus knew and knows that our even deeper need, our deepest desperate need, is for the bread of life, the living water. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And for that we can say, thanks be to God. For our benediction, I want to borrow from Ephesians again. Be strengthened by the Lord. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. Pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day and after you have done everything possible to still stand. So stand with the belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate. Put shoes on your feet so that you're ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Now go in peace to love God's children and to love and serve the Lord.